0: Learn more at marines.com. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man
1: to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Oh, got it.
0: Oh, McKinley Wright. Breaks it down. Got three. Feet.
1: Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we have another special guest, and it's Ryan Konigsberg, who you guys know, and because we've done the introduction a couple of times, that's all he's going to get this time.
2: Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Sorry about shoulder bearding you in Madden last night.
1: Wow. Wow. We're just, that was a double. I wasn't ready for that. (laughs) Just like straight in, you bring up beating me in Madden. You bring up me getting beat by a man named Shoulderbeard. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um,
2: I mean, if you're not going to give me an introduction, I'll introduce myself.
1: Uh, I took so many notes. uh, on uh, Like, you played the night before in in the Madden League, and I was sitting right here. I had the game on the TV. I probably have, like, 400 words of notes just on what you did that night. And everything went my way until I threw a stupid pick six, and then all of a sudden it just uh, fell apart.
2: Yeah, um, so for those of you who think Henry is crazy for taking notes, like our Madden League has gotten that serious. Um, Brandon Spano has like 1,400 words of like a game flow plan in his notes app. Uh, like the Madden League has gotten to another level and it's basically like uh, just like kill or be killed at this point. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, you you actually – had me in like every team that's beaten me has done the exact same thing.
1: got you out of three three five
2: Well no I oh. mean that helps <laughs> um, but what it is is you you get the ball off the kickoff you score and then get me to turn the ball over mm-hmm. um, and you did those things and I was like, oh great this is the this is the script for beating me. And then Patrick Queen stepped in front of your tight end and took it the other way like two plays later and really bailed me out.
1: And I knew I couldn't make that throw too. Like that is in is that in your notes? notes. It was in the notes. I just threw my notes in the word counter 727.
2: Oh my god. 727
1: words of notes on you like <laughs> on players on different things, like where you throw with Josh Allen, like all of this different stuff. I should actually send these to you since we're in different conferences and you can do a quick self-scout.
2: You actually should because that kind of scares me.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. First of
2: all, <laughs> I just traded for Josh Allen because I wanted to change the way I do things. Um, because I got really predictable with Deshaun Watson. So I can't get predictable. Um, but you definitely knew I wanted to throw those corner
1: routes. Oh yeah. The the corners were in the notes. There was so much stuff. I had like the formations. You you like the, the two tight end, tight wide receiver formation, get those stretch runs in. And I couldn't find a way to stop those the way I wanted to like the big problem though, is I just wanted you out of that three, three, five defense. And I was able to do it with that first drive where I had like a whole bunch of like power running stuff and was able to just take it right up the middle with Aaron Jones and it was working. But then once I got the ball back again, I felt like I had used up too much of that part of my playbook. Script, yeah. And so then I was kind of like off trying to pull in a couple other things. And eventually like I had to go shotgun, which was not ever part of the plan. Cause that's what you want but yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm really disappointed. I didn't let you get me with the RPOs though. And that makes me feel a little bit better.
2: You refused to test me deep, which stopped me from getting a dev trade upgrade on my new free safety. So uh, that frustrated me.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I had that, uh, he had a pick he had three. Yeah. Oh no. Then the, uh, the note was later updated to say a couple of picks. He's good. Do not throw deep in the middle. Previous <laughs> owners said he didn't tackle. Can't yeah. be letting that spill when you're on the mic in these Twitch streams, Ryan.
2: He did um he did miss one tackle yesterday.
1: He did. And there was another guy right there, but well, that's probably enough about the Madden League. Although yes, we yes. You need to continue this conversation because I
2: I wonder if the Madden League needs its own podcast.
1: Wow. I think it does. I think the Madden League does need a podcast.
2: <laughs> oh. I mean, we spend all day talking about it at the office anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, every time I go in there. Um, the buffs though, they are still undefeated. Um, and, um, before we get into like, what's working, what's not working, what do we think of Utah? Like what is going on? All that kind of stuff. Let's talk about some PAC 12 things. Um, so as it stands right now, the buffs need a win. Um, and they also need a USC loss going undefeated does not mean that they get a chance to play in the PAC 12 title game are you upset with how this is kind of going down? Or are you thinking like, well, that something had to give, like, where do you stand on this current situation that the bus find themselves in?
2: So I am in between, um, one, one part of me says like, it's too early for this talk. And and I, you know, I know fans who say like, we're not playing the game. So like, why does it matter what we talk about? But like, I just, you know, you hate when you hate this because you haven't been exposed to it for 15 years, but like, there is a little bit of part, a little part of me that's like, we can't, we just can't afford to get ahead of ourselves. Like we can lose to Utah. It's happened before. Uh, You know, like I, am just afraid of a letdown. So I'm like, I don't want to get into this yet. Um, But at the same time, I said it on the post game show, we should be playing USC this week. If we're not playing USC this week, then we should be playing USC next week. And if that doesn't happen, then, and the Buffs win this week, and so does USC, uh, then I'm going to be pissed. Uh, because never before has it even been in the realm of possibility for two teams in the same division to go undefeated in conference. It can't happen because all the teams play each other. So for the Buffs to potentially get punished because USC had an outbreak, uh, is a joke and if anything it should go the other way around where the tiebreaker should be well whose fault was it the game wasn't played oh usc's all right they get a uh you know a tiebreaker forfeit and the buffs go to the to the pack 12 championship
1: yeah and the the reason that the tiebreaker does go to usc is going to be the divisional games tiebreaker because while there's like some weird caveats that mean that if you don't play the same number of conference games, you can still tie and go through the tie-breaking procedure. Once you get into that, it doesn't matter how many divisional games have been played. It just matters like who has the best record. And USC is going to finish 4-0 in the Pac-12 South. Colorado is going to finish 3-0 in the Pac-12 South. If they both win, of course. Assuming they both win. And that means that USC gets it. Even though the, the two divisional games that Colorado didn't get to play – were cancellations by Arizona state and USC that were not made up. And at the time when people were saying, well, we need to get these games in, you have to reschedule so that you can get the Arizona state game in. I was thinking, eh, I- I'm not so sure because you just got to play the games. Like, like there's still conference games on the schedule. It's not worth going through and rescheduling. Looking back now though, I do think that there should have put a priority on getting those divisional games rescheduled because yeah. it does turn out, to be the truth that those games matter. And those are what's going to decide who gets to go to the PAC 12 title game. Now, was the PAC 12 at the time thinking like we're going to like, we're going to be in this situation where you get down to that third tiebreaker. I don't know, but it seems like they should have seen that something like this was very much on the table.
2: Yeah. Uh, Obviously we've given up on USC being the opponent this week. So now Mm -hmm. I turn my uh, attention to next week. They don't even know who's playing who next week. Obviously, they came up with, you know, a schedule uh, or a a process for you're going to play the team on the other league um, that, you know, uh, fits that finish in the same place as you. Mm -hmm. Um, So how's that? What's the plan for that? What do you you
1: know about that? There is no plan is the current situation. Um, but, but I will just to give the background. So it's supposed to be number one versus number one in the title game on Friday. Then all the way down, number two versus number two, number three, number three through Saturday. Then once games start getting canceled, people start bringing up like, well, maybe we'll actually play some of those games that we'd rather play. For example, Washington, Washington state, they've played the apple cup every year since 1945, that game got canceled instead of doing the interdivisional stuff. Do they let those two teams play next week? If Washington doesn't make the title game. That is on the table, but the truth is we don't really know.
2: And what is going on the week after that in the Pac-12?
1: Well, there are still four teams that will get into bowl games because that is how many bowl games are left. But outside of that, there's nothing.
2: But those aren't going to be the next week.
1: That is true. So I think, let's see, this weekend is the 19th and 20th? No. No, that's way off. Oh, that'd be next week. So the 18th and 19th are Pac-12 title and the rest of those games. But then bowl games are 26th, 29th, 31st, and 1st for the Pac-12. So, I guess it would oh, be the next
2: week. Oh, so it would be the next week. Okay. Well, yeah. then uh, then that leaves uh, less room for what I'm thinking of, which was just move the Pac-12 title game back a week, um, play Colorado-USC. You could play Washington-Washington State if you want during, like, a little gap week. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's not as possible anymore.
1: The The – Hitch in all of this though, that does make everything like it's already pretty open-ended, but with Washington getting sick and pausing football activities. And then today they said again, that we are still on pause. We aren't reopening the facilities. Well, they play Oregon in the game. That's supposed to decide who goes to the PAC 12 title game from the North. If Washington can't play, then they get to go to the PAC 12 title game. But if they aren't healthy, In time to play that game, which is only eight days away now, what happens? Do they give it to the number two finisher in the north? Do they say Colorado deserves it because they're undefeated? I'm honestly not sure where that goes.
2: And this isn't in the written protocols.
1: I couldn't find it anywhere, and I've, I've looked for a long time.
2: Wow. All right. Well, if that's the case, then it has to be the Buffs. I think so. I mean, it just has to be. But uh, the best part about all this is that Joel Klatt is going to be on the call for Colorado-Utah. And what's going to happen is for three and a half hours, as long as the Buffs take care of business, mm-hmm.
1: Throw Joel – Make it four hours.
2: Whatever. <laughs> Joel is going to just absolutely crush the Pac-12 uh, for their decision-making during this process.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we'll see what it actually looks like, like how how hard he goes on the Pac-12. But we've seen it on Twitter. We've seen it on the other TV shows. We've seen him all over the place saying this was poorly done and it is hurting his Colorado Buffaloes. I I, I don't expect him to hold back much.
2: I don't expect him to hold back either. And I think that what what's going to happen here, what could potentially happen is if the Buffs take care of business, uh, and, and not in, like, a sloppy, ugly way. Um, if they take care of business and, and like, make it – it doesn't have to be a statement, but clearly look like the better team, uh, you know, for 60 minutes. I think that there's going to – this is, you know, this, the second – you know, this is Fox's biggest slot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, the audience is going to be huge. Joel Klatt is going to go in. And public pressure could get really heavy uh, on the Pac-12. And, uh, you know, in 2020, and really in the last five years, public pressure is one hell of a weapon for any sort of movement. Uh, It can get a lot of things done. It can get people fired. It can get uh, things changed. It can get laws enacted. I mean, public pressure uh, goes a long way. It can get coaches who are hired unhired. (laughs) Uh, we've seen that. So it's, uh, you know, the, the PAC 12 could get for lack of a better term, shamed into having to come up with a solution here. Um, but I'll be honest, Henry in when all, when all the dust settles, as long as the buffs win this week, I'm going to be happy. Um, an undefeated regular season. For the most part, I, I don't know what, what we're calling that extra game. Is that still a regular season game? I have
1: tonight? no idea.
2: I suppose it could be. Um, but honestly, you can look at both sides of it and you can say, you know what? Even just the publicity that the buffs are going to get, not only from playing this noon game and hopefully winning it uh, and having Joel Clap you know, fight the good fight for them for hours, but the, you know, Pardon the interruption is probably going to talk about it the next day. Is oh, yeah. Pac-12 mishandling Colorado? Is Colorado getting jobbed here? Like Colorado's going to be all over the news if they're the undefeated team that can't even get into their conference title game. Like that's probably never happened in history.
1: I, I would assume it hasn't. And the argument for Colorado to go in over the North Division winner is an easy one. You know, they're all going to say we were told what we had to do to make the Pac-12 title game, and we did what we needed to do. But if Washington does go to the Pac-12 title game, well, guess what? They lost to Stanford. Colorado didn't lose to anybody all season, and that includes beating Stanford. And so that right there, you say, if this were a college football playoff type of ranking, Colorado would be in front of Washington. Colorado is in front of Washington right now because Of that, like the, the schedules, you just look and see the resume and say, what makes sense? Colorado going to the PAC 12 title game would make sense, except that that's not how college conferences work. They work based on, you have to fulfill the criteria and be number one and where you need to be number one. And Washington's Washington has done that. And Oregon will do that if they beat Washington, um, It's just a tough situation that the Pac-12 put themselves in. And again, what I go back to at this point is you needed to get the divisional games in. Those were the games that needed to be played so that you could avoid a situation like this. And at the time, I didn't have the foresight to see that that was what was going to be so important. That is how you ensure that you don't have an undefeated team go or not go to the Pac-12 title game. Um, But somebody needs to. Like that is why they make millions of, of dollars over there. And uh, it's frustrating. My question. So
2: let's say USC goes to the title game and Washington plays USC and Washington wins. This leaves Colorado as the lone remaining undefeated team. What is that? How is that going to work? What's going to happen after that?
1: Claim a national title.
2: Well, obviously, <laughs> uh, but like, uh the Rose Bowl, is that a is that a automatic bid for the Pac-12 winner or can that be uh subjective?
1: Um well this year Rose Bowl's in the college football playoff and so, oh, so they, they don't get so. to go they get to go to one of the other New Year's Six bowls. Um, that
2: might change things.
1: Yeah. It might actually change. I
2: things. don't know though. I assume the Pac- the winner of the Pac-12 gets an auto bid into one of those games.
1: I do think that it's the champion that does.
2: God, so the Buffs go undefeated, don't lose any conference games, don't lose any out of conference games, and could potentially go, I mean, at that point, they would have to go to the second best bowl for the Pac-12, but even then, like, it's just, a. that's not, it's not right, it's not right.
1: Yeah, it's frustrating. Hopefully, none of it will matter. Hopefully, I mean, I guess there's only one that you can actually say hopefully for, and that's like Colorado wins, USC loses. You can't hope for like all the crazy things that could happen in the North, but there are still multiple paths for yeah. Colorado to make it as long as you remember. Plus there's there's the other one. So here's the other thing that I don't think we've talked about. Uh, I, I guess we've talked about in the Slack a little bit, but when I said on the post game that you needed five cancellations this week, I was wrong. You only need three cancellations because it rounds down. And this is something we talked about on the podcast a little bit, but that is a whole nother path. If Washington can't play, if two other teams can't play. And in theory, one of them could be Colorado saying we can't play. Then it would be the top two finishers that would go to the PAC 12 title game, regardless of which division they're in.
2: Yeah. um, And again, this would be another case where, the Buffs could be punished for handling COVID well. Yeah. Yeah. And same thing happened to the Broncos. Uh, They didn't handle COVID or they handled COVID too well. No one got, uh, not enough people got infected. Their game wasn't canceled. They had to start Kendall Hinton Mm -hmm. at quarterback.
1: But Um, even then they did slip up. Like they at least made one mistake. They at least had like in a meeting room, maskless and like, whether that game was worthy of what happened or whether that mistake was worthy of like making whatever happened to them happen to them is a debate, but there was at least one small, tiny little mistake. And the buffs haven't even had that.
2: Right. Exactly. Um, but I'm just saying like, if the, if they would have just gotten infected, then it mm-hmm. would have been called an outbreak. They would have not played and uh, they wouldn't have had to uh, start a game with no quarterback. Um, so again, you know, the buffs could do that. I, I, obviously disagree with that idea or that thinking, Um, just go win, just go beat everyone. The rest will work itself out. Um, You know, we'll, I guess we can't do that, but I was gonna say, we'll send a box of the national championship shirts up there, but I guess (laughs) that's against the rules. Um, Just win, just win. And in the end, if the worst thing that happens is everyone in the country is talking about you, uh, and talking about how you get jo- you got jobbed and you get to show your badass uniforms on every highlight show in America and every college football show in America is showing highlights of Colorado, Jarek Broussard running wild and black and gold and Carl Durrell's talking and he's doing interviews. Rick George is doing interviews all over the country. You will, you will be compensated. Maybe not the same way you would if you were going to uh, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl but you will be compensated uh, and it'll help Carl Durrell with recruiting and it'll help everything. Uh, and that you'll take that as a consolation prize. Is it bullshit? Of course it is. Uh, but you got to win and then we can start complaining.
1: Yep. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's a weird situation because of the shortened season. Um, but in college football, you know, when you do well, good things happen to you. And that is one of my favorite parts of college football is that if you can show some positive momentum, you'll recruit better and you'll get better um, players, you'll be able to recruit better coaches, you'll get more fans in the stadium, which means more money, which can be used in so many ways that help the program but because of the shortened season, I feel like there's this weird place right now where the buffs are in a situation where they can just go win games. And that in the end is what all of those other things are about is going and winning and, and having like big time accolades, you know, having things that are banner worthy and those banners live somewhere in those athletic facilities for forever. And when you have the opportunity to go get one of those banners, you know, it's not going to be a Rose bowl win this year. Um, and who knows, but, Pac-12 title banner was on the table. Um, Mm -hmm. New Year's six banner is on the table. And then those things aren't gone right now, but they could be through no fault of Colorado's own. And so while it is nice to know that as long as you beat Utah, you're going to do better in recruiting because of all the attention, you're going to be getting some way or some other way. um, But in the end, what it's all about is getting yourself accolades that will stand and this was an opportunity to get one of those and settling for, Oh, it's going to help recruiting. At least still is a bummer.
2: Yeah. I mean, you could hang a banner for the only undefeated season in program history. If you went out from here.
1: Yeah. That'd be a nice banner.
2: Yeah. Uh, Obviously, you know, there might be some follow-up questions 50 years (laughs) from now. It's like, how, what else happened? They won all their games. (laughs) There's the national championship uh, banner. Exactly. Um, What do you, and I'm sorry if I'm derailing a little bit, but what do you think of the fact that the Pac-12 has no shot to get into the college football playoff?
1: Uh, I mean, we could do two hours on that exact conversation. You know, I still stand by where I was at the beginning of the season, and that's that the Pac-12 doesn't get enough respect, that the teams in the Pac-12 are better than at least what the national perspective is. Now, do you go one versus one Pac-12 versus sec and then 2v2 3v3 and win on uh, uh, the majority of those games all the way down i don't think so but i do think that if you, 10, could, you could do that if you yeah yeah if you were betting batting like 500 um among those like top two top three spots then you then you would i think the problem is that you just still don't have those marquee pieces up at the very top of the conference that Validate what everybody else has done. You know, the Big Ten is bad. I think that if Colorado was in the Big Ten, they wouldn't beat Ohio State. Um, I think that, you know, Michigan and Indiana, those would be challenges. But I think that Colorado's right there. And to be honest, I think that USC, if it plays like it did last week, then it might have a chance of competing with Ohio State. And I, and I know that that sounds like a homery Pac 12 take but we saw what they were able to do when they finally played well for the first time since Clay Helton has been there, they have all the talent. They just need to be able to put that together and they haven't been able to. Um, And so it sucks to get back to your question that they aren't in the college football playoff. um, And, I don't think that they were getting in with a shortened season no matter what. And that's what makes me not feel so bad about it because of the way that they approached the season. I don't think that they had a chance or gave any team a chance to build the resume they need. I mean, you look at USC right now, undefeated uh, on the path to the PAC 12 title game, controlling their fate. I think that they beat whoever they play in the PAC 12 title game. You know, if, if I were a betting man, you know, if, you know, if I was Vegas and they're playing Colorado, I favor USC. That wasn't true before this weekend when we finally saw USC do what USC can do, but that's where we are. Um, I'm not too upset about them not making the college football playoff this year. Um, What I'm more upset about is the kind of disrespect that we saw toward a lot of teams in this conference. You know, Stanford, that is a good team. Is it a team that's competing for national titles? No, but even at the time, people were saying, you know, Stanford isn't that good that's that's a better football team than people give credit to and i think you look at that entire tier you know oregon state at this point is pretty solid you know the the win over oregon stands out but they were doing some nice things before that tristan gebby is a very good young quarterback who's going to do good things there and and it's more about the middle teams that i get more defensive than it is with the top teams and with the top teams they're the ones who's not getting the college football playoff
2: yeah it's just hard you know and I realize this season is different, and and I assume that if this was a full season and a and a Pac-12 team went undefeated, they'd be in the college football mm-hmm. playoff. It just feels weird that they the you know the highest ranked team is 15 uh, from a Power Five conference that's undefeated. Um, yeah. And again, it's not like the Pac-12 has been like historically bad recently. Like, you know, like if the it's not the Pac-12. Shouldn't be considered a laughing stock of the Power Five by any means. And that's kind of the treatment I feel like the Pac 12 is getting mm-hmm. uh, by having an undefeated team in a Power Five conference being ranked 15th in the college football playoff rankings. You know, obviously, you got to get to fourth to be in the playoff. I think an undefeated mm-hmm. team in the Pac 12 should be, and there's two, uh, should be at worst 12th.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's fair. And I do think that there probably is some disrespect at the top. I'm just not sure that getting all the way in is a stretch. What, what sucks about that, though, again, is what I go back to, and that's that people will say, oh, USC's undefeated. We've seen them pass the eye test now, finally. Um, but who have they played? Arizona State, Arizona, Utah, Washington State. And, and it's when it gets to that argument that I say, well, slow down there. Who has anybody played? Who has Bama played? I mean, Georgia is good. Georgia, I think, is closer to the USC level than it is to the Bama level, though. And I don't even think that that's that hot of a take. You know, Uh, and uh, their quarterback sucks. Exactly. And, And you go through the entire conference from there, and there are a lot of teams in the SEC that really, really suck. Same thing in the ACC. You know, you have like Boston College in Virginia. They've been frisky behind Clemson. And we're not counting Notre Notre Dame in this because Notre Dame is there for one year and they're back to being independent. And and I think that if, if Clemson didn't have the, or if Clemson wasn't in the ACC, they would be seen totally differently. They'd be the laughing stock. What does hurt the Pac-12 a little bit more though is how poorly run it is. And it's so easy to say the Pac-12 sucks. You look at the teams, you, you look at how they don't get in the college football playoff, and then you look into the money that they waste on all of the different things they waste money on. The fact nobody can see the games, the payouts, that kind of stuff. When really that stuff might in theory be tied to the product that in the end these programs are able to present on the field. It doesn't. It, it, it isn't just one-to-one like that shouldn't factor into how you see those programs, how you see those programs should be what they do on the field. Like that, whatever is hindering them from the PAC 12 revenue side of things that's already happened. What matters is what they're doing on the field now.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, obviously, uh, with a win over UCLA and a win over Washington, I think, uh, USC would probably get into the top 10. Um, which, you know, is nice, I guess. Um, yeah. but, uh, more importantly, we hope that USC loses to UCLA. I went back and looked, Chip Kelly has beaten, uh, USC in 2018, his first season there at us at UCLA. Everyone kind of thought that was going to be his chance to, you know, uh, get a recruiting boost in LA and really start to take over. Obviously it hasn't worked out that way for him, but He's one and one against USC. So uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, he can pull it off this
1: week. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, One more note, and that's that the not not having non-conference games hurts the Pac-12. You know, that's really your chance to go out there and like have an Arizona State prove that it's one of the better fourth best teams in the conference, you know, And, and not having that at the beginning of the year to get a couple of wins. Um, that also hurts the perspective. And that's what's coming back next year. And we're going to get some of that in the few bowl games the Pac-12 teams get to go to. But yeah, that's uh, probably time to put a wrap on the Pac-12 discussion. Uh, We got some buff stuff to talk about. But first, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, They do great work making the Juice Drop IPA, the Christmas Ale. They're such good beers. And uh, it's I mean, it's Christmas time. So start pounding that Christmas ale. Um, it'll make you feel like you are in the Christmas spirit. Um, I know it's kind of tough right now, um, especially if you're in Denver, where not only is there no like feeling of Christmas, like holiday families around because everybody is so separate. You're not seeing people like flood into department stores and do all that kind of stuff, whatever Christmas means to you. Um, but also like there's no snow or anything. And so it kind of just feels like, oh, We're living in this gray 45 degree world again, and it's just never going to end. The Christmas ale solves that. That is the Christmas feeling that you guys need right now um, because it is time to get into the holiday spirit. So jump into some of those, drink a bunch of those. Um, And also if you're looking for something to do with your family to get outside, um, Breckenridge brewery has an ice skating rink uh, at its farmhouse down in Littleton. It's $3. If you, bring your own skates, $6. If you rent skates, there's also a free tubing hill. And then there's like outdoor seating for parents to uh, drink some beers. Uh, It's a great way to spend a day. Get in the holiday spirit, do some ice skating, drink some Christmas ales, uh, and you will not be disappointed. Um, Also, want to give a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, Now is the time to be jumping in with DraftKings. If you guys haven't been sports betting, you've been missing out because it's seriously so much fun. It makes everything you do with sports just a, a tiny bit more interesting. You know, things like uh, the the USC game against Oregon State. Was that who they played? No.
2: Oh, Washington State. That was
1: Utah that played Oregon State. Yeah. Washington State, Oregon State, they always get mixed up because neither of them are all that good, and they're also way up over there in their states and – the little brothers and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, they played Washington state. I had a couple of bucks on Washington state to cover immediately, immediately lost my money because USC is very, very good. It turns out when they w- want to be or decide to be, or they luck into it. I don't know, but they are very good. They took that money, but it still felt like it gave me a little bit more juice when I was watching that game. You know, it wasn't, you know, I don't look at it as doing work but it felt even less like doing work when you get to sit there and have a little bit of a rush at the same time. Um, but there's a lot of stuff going on right now with college basketball. Um, NBA basketball is going to be back in just a week or two. Uh, so jump in now because there are some awesome deals. For example, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new players a chance to earn a signup bonus up to thousand dollars. When you use promo code DNVR, um, you can also triple your winnings when placing any bet on UFC 256 um, if you sign up now. So make sure you do that. Those are great deals. Uh, Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DMVR when you sign up to get the $1,000. That's code DMVR to get a deposit bonus up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
2: Love DraftKings. Love Breck Brew. That's like two of the three ingredients for a good weekend afternoon.
1: It really is. And yeah. the third one. Football. Sports. Yeah. yeah football. Exactly. Okay, we can get specific. I agree. We can. Um also i feel like you might need some wings or something oh there's definitely a food element in there too that's missing
2: i don't think i've spoken on a podcast yet about the wings that i ate on friday night
1: (laughs) oh aren't we lucky then
2: (laughs) i um had the uh, pleasure of thinking that i had previously ordered the hottest wings offered at fire on the mountain in denver and Allie was like no like you, you get the extra hot, not the El Jefe. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I get the El Jefe. Well, I got the El Jefe. And it was the hottest food I've ever had from a restaurant in my life. Like, like I can handle heat at an alarming rate. And I was sweating. Like, I was a mess. I was, like, gasping for air. Like, like it, it, the worst part is they tasted so good that I couldn't stop eating them. Um, but I, I was a wreck. Um, so yeah, Ali was right. I was wrong. And, uh, wow, delicious. I probably won't opt to do that to myself again.
1: Yeah. That seems like the right call. Like, I don't, I don't need to mess around with like the super hot stuff. Like I'm happy with just like a little spice. Like give me some medium hot wings. Like some give chipotle me just mayo. Oh, tough to beat a good chipotle mayo. I but, agree. Oh yeah, but you know, just just like a little bit of something there, just to add a little excitement. The same way that, like DraftKings adds just like a bit of a rush to sports. You know, I don't need that rush to be like me putting three grand on something and saying, "Let's let's see if I can like double my monthly whatever." You know, and so I'm more of just like a, a little kick. It's more about the flavor to me than the spice.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. I I need I I need a I want to feel it. I want to have to think about how hot it is. Okay. Anyway, we can get back to the buffs now.
1: Oh, can we? That's cool. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the buffs. Um, this is going to be not not like rapid fire, but basically just have like a bunch of questions to get through. Things like, uh, let's start here. How how worried are we about Sam Noyer's interceptions?
2: Hmm. Worried. Um, he's tied for the PAC 12 lead in interceptions with Jake Bentley, who he's going to be playing this week. Uh, and I think one other guy is up there at the top with four, four is not, you know, too crazy. Um, but you don't want to see it. Um, what I really had an issue with, and, and I think Carl Durrell would agree was the late one, uh, in the red zone. You're driving bad play call, um, bad throw, bad decision, bad execution in uh, that just you know it, it left the door open when the door should have been closed on that drive you're running the ball so well so I don't want to go full um, run every first and second down and then pass on third <laughs> down but I think you could do a better job protecting with the play calling but that being said I just he was seeing the field so clearly in week one that I was like oh my god this is insane like not only does he have a huge arm and he can run, he also has like really good field vision. Uh, And it just seems like he's regressed a little bit in that regard. I know you've pointed a lot to Brady Russell, um, Mm -hmm. potentially having something to do with that, uh, or at least hurting him from an offensive standpoint, just because Brady Russell does such a good job of working himself open over the middle Mm -hmm. of the field. So I I am concerned about it. um, But I think it's very fixable. I think it's something that he needs to just understand and learn more. You know, he's he's been a starting co- quarterback in college for how many games now? Four? Yeah. So, um, it's just one of those things. You got to you, you gotta learn situational football. When to put the ball in harm's way. When not to put the ball in harm's way. Uh, and I'll be okay.
1: Yeah. Um, and, you know, just to get back to Brady Russell, I think the big thing that they're missing without him – is that he is this, the, the little safety blanket. He's, he's the check down option. He's the guy they get the ball to. In a lot of offenses, that's the running back. So far, Buffs running backs have five receptions this season. You know, you have Jarek Broussard doing so much work between the tackles. Asking him to take a, a couple more hits on a couple more touches in the passing game just doesn't seem like the right plan. And that's why they haven't done it all that much. But without Brady Russell as that kind of underneath safe option, We're seeing, we're seeing the loss. And for me, I'm not, I'm not concerned by Sam Neuer's interceptions yet, but I do. I I am watching them. I, I am paying attention. And if we see more troubles, I might be concerned. And we're getting close to that point. Um, one of the other things that I like that you said was that he he sees the field so clearly. It looked like he see, he saw the field so clearly. And that obviously wasn't the case on that last interception when there was a guy standing right in front of the receiver who was making his break. One of the things that Darren Ciaverini has told us, though, is that he has designed this offense to be easy on the quarterback's eyes, that that is like what they are trying to do first in the passing game is make it so that the reads are easy. You're not going to be missing defenders. You're not going to be missing reads. And Sam Neuer, for the most part, has been able to do that outside of just a couple of plays where he's made these mistakes. Um, just kind of building off of that, uh, Colorado is first in the Pac-12 in rushing yards per game um, by a pretty healthy margin. They are second to last in passing yards per game. Is that... Utah. Yeah, to Utah. Is, <laughs> is that okay?
2: Yeah, hell yeah. Um, when you run the ball that well, you don't need to pass the ball that well. Um and there's um potentially only what two games left in the season and it's worked True. every game so far, uh so, um, you want to be able to pass the ball a little bit better but it's clear that they're working with I don't I don't I don't know where to put Sam Neuer in here, he's not a top quarterback you know like he can be uh, I use this expression all the time on the Broncos podcast he can be the pilot. He can't be the plane. Uh, and so mm. you don't want to ask him to be the plane because if you do that, you're going to crash. Um, so just have him be the pilot. Uh, you want him to do a little bit better job of being the pilot, honestly, uh, than he has the last couple of games. But that that plane keeps landing safely at the end of the game. So, you know, you, you can't put too much on the pilot. Um, this week, looking at what Utah uh, does is – they stopped the run pretty darn well. Uh, they held um, – see, who did they play? The USC, I think, under 100 yards rushing. They held Washington under 100 yards rushing. They did let Oregon State go over. I think Oregon State had the best game running the ball against them. It was 131 yards, four yards per carry. Um, so, you that this worries you a little bit this week. Um, I don't think Sam Noyer is going to be able to have a sub-100-yard passing game and the Buffs
1: win. I agree. Um, to throw some numbers at this, Utah is giving up 105 rushing yards per game. That's the best in the Pac-12. Next is 132, then 143, and then the Buffs at 148. Um, I agree. I, I I think that this is going to be a, a fun battle in the trenches. You know, you look at the the Utah's defensive front, and I'm not in love with it. Like there are definitely pieces that I like, but when you look at the defensive linemen up front, they're very big. They aren't all that fast, and I do wonder if Sam Noyer can get outside a little bit. You know, the linebacker Nephi Sewell, who's kind of the forgotten Sewell brother with Penne and uh, uh, Noah at Oregon, he's been a he's been good at linebacker. And the, the edge rushers they have, they're very like long and linear, pro style, and that's kind of where they have that speed aspect. But if you take them out of the game. I do think that this could be the kind of game where Sam Noyer is the reason that the rushing game is so good because he's mm. able to make some plays with his legs and take advantage of kind of how stale they are up the middle, but very stout up the middle at the same time.
2: They, uh, the buffs brought back the Cepho special last week, which <laughs> was the by far the best play in their playbook in 2016 when they had uh, you know, the rise, as everyone calls it, uh, you go back and watch, you know, of course, everyone's uh, putting, put, tweeting out the highlights from the last time Gus Johnson called the buffs game. And that was against Washington state in 2016. And you go back and watch those highlights. The Buffs scored three touchdowns on, uh, on Cefo Lufau rushes. Two of them were on the CeFO special. So I love that, that that play is back in the playbook. Um, Sam Neuer is big enough to handle it He's big enough to make those runs He's strong enough He can finish them at the goal line Like he did last week Um, He really could change the game Uh, And, you know, they did it They called that play a grotesque amount in 2016 Like they, I think they did permanent damage On Sefa Lufau's body uh, (laughs) By giving him like 19 carries in certain games Um, You don't want to do that But you also haven't put Sam Neuer in harm's way so much going into this game where I say like, sorry, you just can't do that to him. You can, you can give Sam Neuer double digit carries in this game.
1: Yeah. And one of my favorite parts of the shortened season is that you really don't have to reuse material, like whatever you're doing on offense, like obviously there's whatever percentage of what you do in a given game. That's the same stuff that you're going to do in every game, but you know, is, is this the game where we start to see the read option a lot more because we haven't seen too many read options so far. I think that that would be something to, to pull out. See if you can freeze one of those defenders on the edge uh, and give yourself a little bit more of a numbers boost when you do try to run out the middle. Is, is this where we start to see more jet sweeps um, because we haven't seen a whole lot of those up to this point. Maybe this is the game where we see five, six of those and you start to stress the edges of their defense that way. Um, I, I do think that when you look at how Darren Cheverini has called the games, he's been successful for the first, for, for like the first point, that is what's most important. The last couple of weeks, maybe just a little bit stale, maybe just a little bit stale. I'm all right with that because I see that as saving some of your favorite things, the things that you think that you can do really well, but you know, aren't going to be part of your week to week game plan. You're saving those for this week so that you can catch Utah off guard, show them something they haven't scouted. Um, And if I don't see some of those, I'm going to be disappointed because that's kind of how I've justified the last couple of weeks. Um, And and I do think that this is the week where you need to get yourself some cheap yards, whether it's the jet sweeps, um, some, some more option type stuff, um, some more screens, uh, those sorts of things that, can just use up a couple of plays and and give some playmakers a chance to make plays for you instead of testing this defensive front over and over and over again. Um, Instead of throwing the ball downfield over and over and over again, which if if we hadn't seen Sam regress just a tiny bit or just make a couple of mistakes, I would say that's the game plan this week is that you are testing the secondary.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to see them test the secondary app for sure. Don't you also think this could be a game where a Shad Clayton Clayton uh, could help you a little bit by just being a little bit of a bigger, stronger back?
1: And that was where I was going to go next. There's a few questions that I'll get to, but one of them was, who is the number two back this week? And I think we're both on the same page. It has to be a Shad after he did what he did last week, four touches, two of them for touchdowns, one of them, the others for 17 yards. That's a very good week. Um, but I do think that this is one where you're going to need to, to, to try to do some different things. And I think bringing in a Clayton is one of those things that I would try out, see what happens.
2: Yeah. I I would love to see him get, let's see, eight to 10. Is that, is that the right spot? Is that too many?
1: Yeah. I mean, assuming that maybe, maybe slashing
2: them to pieces
1: maybe you give Jaron a couple of goal line touches because I do think that he has been good in those situations. But if you say he gets two, three touches around the goal line, then yeah, as long as that's it for him and we're not seeing any of the other running backs, then I think eight to 10 for a shot would be about the right number.
2: Yeah. I'd like to see that. I would definitely like to see that. Uh And I just, I want to see this offense. I want to see Shev. Uh, be a little bit more situationally aware in his play calling this week Um, I don't necessarily think he called some bad plays last week I think he called good plays and bad times and they resulted in bad plays Um, so you don't have to get cute you don't have to get crazy I'm not asking you to pull out the bag of tricks just be a little more situationally aware of okay like the deep shot. Let's save that for second and one or second and three after a six-yard run or seven-yard run, um, instead of you know taking it too early, um, or in the red zone. You know if we're going to pass the ball when we're running it like this, well, let's play. Let's pass the ball off play action uh, to to open up the middle of the field so you don't have a linebacker standing right underneath your coverage or mm-hmm. right underneath your wide receiver. So just a little bit more uh, situational awareness when it comes to calling the plays. I feel like Chev. And, and I don't know this, I just feel like he knows he has some really good plays and he's like chomping at the bit to call them. Uh, and, and because of it, he's not calling them in the best situation for them to succeed.
1: Yeah, I think that's valid. Um, changing subjects just a little bit here. Uh, we, we talked through our power rankings for bus receivers last week. Does anything change this week?
2: Huh. Um, no.
1: I agree. I agree. Or Demetrius Stanley
2: for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep feeding the rock to Demetrius Stanley. Vontae um, did he have a dro- like a costly drop this week?
1: I can't remember how costly it was, but he definitely did have a drop.
2: Yeah, gotta hold on to the ball. Uh, Brendan Rice, no opportunities. Nope. Yeah, that's a bummer. It and is. And Katie Nixon didn't really get the ball that much either, did he?
1: No. I mean, they completed 12 passes for 92 yards. It's not like anybody had a great day. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I thought KD, there was an out route where he caught a ball. I thought he looked super sharp in his route getting to that point. And that is something that I wanted to see more out of him. Um, but he was able to just get separation in like just a classic one-on-one situation. That the, you Those are when you want your receivers to win. And he won. Um, certainly didn't do enough to move up the power rankings though. Uh, so I'm right there with you. Um Defensively, what what is your what is the one thing you want to see the Buffs do better this week on the defensive side of the ball?
2: Uh, don't give up big runs. Um, those are really the only way. The only way that this team is giving up points is if they give up big plays. Mm-hmm. Like you just can't dink and dunk these guys. <laughs> uh, and so if you can take away the big holes in the running game, and Akeel Jones being back should just be like a one-to-one he's back that doesn't happen anymore exactly uh type of thing and so you hope that that's the case but if they can take away big runs they will hold utah to a small number um i feel confident in that so don't give away big runs obviously you don't want to give away big passes that hasn't been a problem so far uh um, so yeah so just uh <clears throat> just be gap sound and uh and don't you know miss your assignment and let someone run wild and you're You've got a pretty good chance that that possession is going to
1: end in a punt. Totally agree. And I also very much agree that Akil Jones. I mean, to me, when I come into this, I don't look at this as like, oh no, I hope that they don't struggle with the big runs again, or like, I'm. Mean, it's not even like the Sam Neuer situation where it's something I'm keeping an eye on. That was just a totally different game because the front seven has had such great chemistry, and they pulled in a guy in Quinn Perry who, because Akil Jones had a son and was on the other side of the country. And because John van Dees got a little bit banged up as his replacement Quinn Perry's in the game. And I'm really excited to see what he can do in the future, but he just isn't quite ready at this point. And you saw that because he did make some mistakes and Akil Jones filling in into his spot. I agree. I, I think that that pretty much solves it. And to be honest, I'm not all that concerned, but that is probably what needs to be cleaned up. Um, because you can't be letting teams run for 268 yards against you. You just can't when you're this good.
2: No, you can't. So, uh, hopefully, Akil comes in and stops that immediately.
1: Yep. Um, and defensively, what is the what is the one player who you want to see take a bit of a step up this week?
2: Player to take a step up this week on defense. Huh. Um. No one immediately pops out to me. Mostly because um, they're all but, playing so well. <laughs> right. I guess a couple of guys that I'd like to see make a few more plays, Darian Rakestraw um, and Mark Perry, just the safety group, I feel like mm-hmm. hasn't been – haven't been bad. But you you haven't been walking away from games being like, wow, look at this front seven. Look at these, uh, you know, these linebackers in this line. And then, like, look at these safeties and the corner. So, the you know, the secondary, I think, could just make a few more plays.
1: Yeah, and, and I think, like you said, they, they play well. I would love to just see anybody just get like a two-pick game back there. Like, just so that when you go into next week, whoever you're playing next, whether it is in the Pac-12 title game or not, is saying, okay, there's a spot in the field that I am scared to go. Because I don't think that there is that right now when you're looking deep. I, you're, you're definitely feeling... Safe when you're t- testing Christian Gonzalez or Rake or Mark Perry uh, or whoever else you want to name back there, um, except for maybe Makai Blackman. And and maybe that's the route you go. Instead of saying, I want to see a, a a pick and a couple of pass breakups from Christian Gonzalez playing lockdown coverage on one side, maybe you say, Let's see Makai Blackman not only do what he did last week, but turn it up just a little bit more. Because if he turns it up anymore, you're essentially saying, like You're, you're not throwing to this half of the field, which would be very valuable
2: yeah you you want to make people think about the black manba.
1: oh i forgot about the black manba. wow how how could i do that <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right um i feel like that's pretty much all i've got for you do you have any more thoughts you want to get to
2: Yeah. I just wanted to share how excited I am uh, for Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson being on this call, you know, uh, there's so, there's a lot of great moments in CU history and um, they all, almost all are accompanied by like a really great call. So I'm really excited uh, for, for Gus to have that opportunity and for hopefully a, you know, a play that can go down uh, in, in CU folklore with a great, Play-by-play announcer. Of course, it's amazing to have Joel Klatt who I've been calling the Fine Bomb of the West, yes,
0: um, yeah.
2: <laughs> like, be a representative of the university, um, and for him to, to get this opportunity to call a big game for the Buffs is amazing. And uh, I'm also um, a big believer in passion and sports media crossing over. Um, I don't think that that should be faux pas. I think a lot of people uh, do uh obviously uh Gus Johnson is passionate in his own right I think in the way that people are more accepting of but Joel Class is passionate about the Buffs uh and uh a couple years back the year after that game when he and um uh, Gus called the Washington State game he was the uh the host or the MC of like the signing day event for you know donors and alumni and whatnot And and he told the story of when the Buffs uh, got a strip sack to clinch that game, which meant that the next week they were going to be hosting Utah at Folsom field for a chance to clinch the PAC 12 South. He said, you know, the way the crowd was just, just tearing apart and just going crazy. I actually got choked up uh, and I had to mute my mic for a second. And, you know, he joked then I I'm worried that Fox will never give me a chance to call another buffs game after that. But clearly Fox is on my side here. They don't think passion in sports media is a bad thing. Uh, honestly, when Joel calls these games, he doesn't sound like a homer, but I do think he's passionate about CU, uh, and and I appreciate that he's getting this opportunity.
1: Yeah, I, I. It is. It's 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 tough to have a game change from like the Friday night to a Saturday, like like I was. I was getting kind of fired up about Friday night. You're under the lights. They'd already said that they have like the black pants and the black Jersey. They hadn't shown the picture of the helmet. And I was getting excited. It looks like, okay, are you going black, black, black uh, under the lights? Like what is going on? And I think that there was something to that. Um, And being like the Friday night game that everybody tunes into. But when you have the opportunity to be the big noon game, even if it is like the earliest start in the 97 year history of Folsom field of playing a 10 a.m. game um, to have this be the focal point on, on Fox where a lot of people are going to be going to catch some college football to, to have guys like Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt, totally ignoring Joel Klatt's relationship with the university, but just how good those two are at their jobs. So good. It's uh. It's, it's just really cool to see the buffs get this type of attention, this type of respect. Um, and then you throw the fact that Joel has this relationship that he does and it's, 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 it's going to be a whole lot of fun.
2: Yeah, it's special. Um, you mentioned the uniforms. Uh, everyone knows that I am a big believer that gold black black is the best uniform in college football history. Um, so I hope that's the case, but – the fact that they didn't show the helmet tells me we're getting something different. Um, I also don't think they're just going to bring back the, uh, the old school Ralphie on the black helmet. You know, that was kind of Mel Tucker's idea. I think mm-hmm. it might be still in, in, the, uh, in the arsenal. I don't think it's coming this week. I think we might be getting something a little special. So I'm, I'm going to give a prediction. My prediction is going to be that it is a I don't, it's going to be a helmet with horns on it, which was in the buffs, uh, lexicon at one point, Mm -hmm. they had a silver helmet with black horns on it. So it could be that one. It could, I've always thought it would be cool to have a black helmet with metallic gold horns on it. Uh, it could be that one, but I'm not sure what, but my prediction is that the, it will be a helmet with horns.
1: Wow. See, and I, I wasn't able to come up with anything. Like, this wasn't, obviously, for those listening, this wasn't, like, a planned segment we're going to call Buffs Helmets. But, like, when I saw, I was like, okay, what do you do? So, what have we seen? We've seen, like, ba- the, the obvious logo that they use 90% of the time. They brought back the the throwback last year. Um, There was, like, the Ralphie, um like, V, the five
2: oh, I thing about that, one. that
1: they pulled out. But I really didn't know where else you go to, to get anything thing on the helmet but i do think horns is like the very obvious choice not obvious because they haven't done it in 50 years but 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 that would be an, an awesome throwback and i can't think of anything else that it would be
2: it could be cool it, it could, could be, be cool. cool um Durrell has been very much of in the you know following the classics mold so maybe he just does go gold gold helmet maybe it's gold helmet black horns i don't know Uh, i just have a feeling on the horns it's kind of the one button the buffs haven't pressed in a long time it's true even just going with the silver helmets with the black horns would look sick on the black on black jerseys
1: i mean what wouldn't with the black on black jerseys it'd be tough to screw up i don't know i'm excited i'm excited too this is gonna be Um, so much fun
2: last thing i'll say when this was a game on friday didn't it feel like the week was going by really fast Because it was like, oh, like, the week is one day shorter. Like, we just have to get to Friday.
1: I know. And I was looking at saying, like, huh, this is going to kind of be a Saturday off. Like, I'm going to be sitting here watching all the Pac-12 games, but not much work. So, there is that part of it where now there's another day of work. But it does feel like like
2: these these last two days have taken, like, an eternity.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, Thanks for jumping on, Ryan. This is a good time. We'll see you on Saturday now when me and you and the DMVR buffs entering Ben Girding get on the uh, post game show, which will be live on the DMVR YouTube account, the DMVR buffs Twitter account. Um, and we'll start that up the way we always do with like 15 minutes after uh, the game ends. We'll have notes from the press conference. We'll have all of our takeaways, the helmet stickers, the King of the game, all the fun stuff that we always do. And we don't have to do it in the middle of the night, which is the biggest benefit of this game being pushed to Saturday. Uh, hope we'll see you guys all then. Um, and I'll also be back tomorrow with another podcast, just a full-on preview of this game. We might touch on some USC UCLA stuff as well. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. And uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow.
0: Peace. I think I like my Colorado swag. Cause when i play I don't really, I don't really know just how to act, and when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad, hollin' get the buzz with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, might not swear, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, hey. it's bitchin' what? 80s, speed and pad competition, see you later, baby. baby. Colorado yeah. Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And boat where we station, patiently awaiting. Whoa. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna Get hit ya, Hit you. Hit hey. Hey. you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. <laughs> Wait till you, you can get it anytime yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the line My Colorado swag in the middle of the ring Throwing blows, knocking down team at the I team think they like my Colorado swag Cause when I'm in that play I don't really, I don't really know just how to act my Colorado Sway, my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag Man, I
1: swear, I think they like my Colorado swag